welcome to the X Factor Files podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. And here we are. We are diving into the main run of X Factor Investigations. X Factor number one. It's very exciting to get to this point after so much buildup with the miniseries and seeing where they go from there, because obviously they opted to do something. Right. Yeah, because the miniseries was good enough to just even leave it as its own or continue on in some fashion, and so this is them continuing it on in some fashion. Yeah, so um, we're going to get to general reactions of what we think about it. We're going to walk through the issue and really review some of the stuff that's going on, some of the characters that are introduced. But first, we do have our pop culture pop-up. Cool. Yes, and we are in January of 2006. What do you remember? Oh, I was still in Washington. I, yeah, sophomore year was a lot harder than first year of college. Mm. I remember that. Yeah. Um, but not a whole lot in terms of pop culture stuff. Well, I can tell you that it was very gay. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um... It, in January 2006, we have the Golden Globes, which is like the Oscars meet the Emmys. So the Golden Globes are celebrating TV and film. Oh, it's the middle of that Venn diagram. It is. And um, by being very gay, we had the best motion picture drama, Brokeback Mountain. Oh. That was, that was a moment in time. I remember seeing that in the theaters with my mom and my sister. <laughs> That's uncomfortable. <laughs> it was. <laughs> um, the best performance in a motion picture drama was Philip Seymour Hoffman in Capote. Real gay. I don't think I saw that until much, much later. And um, the best actress was Felicity Huffman in Transamerica. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. Um, Great well, college scandal. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Have we canceled her? I don't think she's been canceled. She just did a skeezy thing right. by using her privilege. And I think she... I thought she went to jail for a little bit. I think she did. Did yeah. she have to wear a lot of orange? I don't know if, like, her complexion... Is she in autumn? Unknown. Uh, oh, but this would have been around Death Red Housewives. Yes. Um, we're going to cover that in a future pop culture pop-up. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about all things Desperate Housewives. No. Um, Walk the Line was a big thing. I've never seen Walk the Line. That's the Johnny Cash movie? Yeah, with Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. Oh. I did not grow up with listening to Johnny Cash, mm -hmm. and I've not really listened to him since. Yeah. Um, the... The most nominations for films was Brokeback Mountain. Mm. We dive into TV with Lost being the best drama. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we've moved on. So something I realized after recording our last episode and talking about Frasier and everything, I grew up with Frasier. Like, Frasier was around since I was born on Cheers, and he was still around <laughs> As a character in 2004, which is astounding, like, yeah, that character specifically had some staying power. That's a lot of longevity right there. Yeah. Um, we are firmly in 
the new era of TV, though, by the time we get to X-Factor Investigations, issue number one. Oh, because this is, if Lost is happening, that means that Desperate Housewives is in the wings and Grey's Anatomy. Yes, Grey's Anatomy lost to Lost. Oh. Um, Prison Break. Oh. Yeah. Rome from HBO. Have you ever seen that? I did. Yeah. It was edgy. Very edgy. Um, The comedies or musicals, it's weird how they lump together those two categories, um, which would come into play in a few years when Glee was a musical series and started getting things. I don't think it was pertinent back. There were no musical TV series. Oh, not TV series. No. There was Moulin Rouge when we were in high school, and that I I feel like that set the stage up for that next wave of movie musicals, yeah. like Chicago. Isn't that around this time? It is. So, um, for best musical or comedy, Desperate Housewives won. Oh. Curb Your Enthusiasm, I've never seen it. Me neither. Entourage, Everybody Hates Chris, My Name is Earl, and Weeds. It seems like a very niche sort of comedy moment. I can see why Desperate Housewives won. Um I heard good things about weeds, but I couldn't get into it. Oh. And um, The Office was around. Steve Carell won for this actor. Oh, that was a thing I never quite got into either. Yeah. See, pop culture and I just two ships passing in the night. And Jonathan Reese Myers hung. Um, um, the Tudors? Won for Elvis as Elvis Presley in uh, Best Performance in a Miniseries or a TV Film. Oh, I didn't know that was I, even a thing. No. Uh, Kenneth Branagh was uh, nominated for playing Franklin D. Roosevelt. What? It's a very... This seems like a very odd TV time. Like, we transition from the old and we're, we don't quite have the footing that was, like, the revival of television. Um, where, like, things like Glee and Modern Family and oh. things like that, like... There are indications that TV is going to get good again, but um, even if you look at the nominations for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy, Mary Louise Parker wins for Weeds. All of the other nominees were the leads from Desperate Housewives. What? All four of them. Wow. So. Oh, um, and she and Justin Kirk were both in Angels in America that we talked uh, about before. Yeah. And then they were both in Weeds. The other big thing, especially in my world, pop culture-wise, that happened in January of 2006, Flavor of Love premiered on VH1 with Flavor Flav. Oh. It was a spinoff of other VH1 celebrity shows. Um, I-, I was all about the celebrity, like to the point where in college we would have watch parties in my dorm room um, to watch Flavor of Love. And it's various spinoffs. What? Yeah. That's, that's we would, a whole mood yeah, right there. It, I think it was on Sunday nights and we would all get together and start the week right by watching trashy reality television together. I missed out on that. You definitely did. So Did I though? You did. We can always watch it on the terrible Paramount Plus app. I think Flavor of Love is available there. Oh, no thank you. Maybe someday. I'll trick you into it. Like when you're about to fall asleep, I'll just turn on some flavor of love. And you'll uh, 
absorb will, it subconsciously. I will groan and roll over just like I did when you put on, well, what shall I call it? The Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. The Simple Life. There and we I was go. like, what did you, what did I do to deserve this? Yes. I mean, you did everything to deserve it because it's fantastic. Ugh. I was so crabby. So uh, that's our world in pop culture in January of 2006. Hmm. So uh, let's talk about the issue. Great. We have some fun cover art. It's very detective agency. Yeah, I mean, you have the blinds. Yes, specifically with the blinds and the light coming in. Like the only thing that would be missing was there being like some sort of neon color coming in Mm -hmm. from some outdoor light through the blinds. But we've got Siren peering outside, but also looking coyly in front. Poor Richter looking very sad boy, like Mm. muted tones, muted colors in the shadows. Yeah, dejected looking. Very dejected. That is the word I was about to use. We've got Strong Guy. We've got Rain with an edgy buzz cut. We should... This is way after Sinead O'Connor, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is like a decade after... More than a decade after Sinead O'Connor on SNL Mm. and everything. It's very... Also... Oh, which one is it? Rachel Summers? Didn't Rachel have a... Yeah. ...haircut like this Mm -hmm. in Inferno? Yes. Yeah. Madrox looking... Like he's got some guy liner on, mm-hmm. but I like the shirt. It's still his multiple man image, mm-hmm. and I love a good long sleeve t shirt. And Monet looking like I'm bored. What am I doing here? Um, but yeah, it's a. It seems like a fun cover. Yeah, <clears throat> up in the corner we see that this is part of the decimation event for the House of M. Yeah, which I don't have. I haven't read any decimation event issues so this is my first all right issue related to that whole conversation Mm -hmm. so and we see richter on the brink yeah and he's having a tough time um the image is pretty stark he is lit from below and the narrative the text bubbles are explaining what x factor is in terms of a normal term, not a superhero term, but a normal term. Right. It's the, uh, what gives you an edge. Yeah, it's unpredictable. Um, it lines up with the X Factor TV show. That's why they have a name like that. Um, because it's just that certain it. The je ne sais quoi. Yes. And from a neighboring building, Madrox is watching him. Seeing what's going on and being like, all right, we, we gotta go help out our boy Richter. And I say our because he spawned some dupes. Yes. To help him out with this task. Because he is not that well equipped for it because he just sees this as just really annoying. Mm. Even though Richter is one of their own. He's a mutant who's been depowered. Um, so he's like, oh, we might as well help him. And so he creates some dupes. It's sort of like an audition as to figure out which one will be most helpful. And one of them was like, the world is ending anyway. Like, he might as well jump. Yeah. And another one is like, it should totally be up to him. It's his decision. And then there's a third one in the background being like, 
this is it's a beautiful night. Suicide is more permanent to a temporary issue that whatever it is that he's dealing with. Um, the sun will come out tomorrow, sort of a thing. So Mad Dogs and the dupes are like, you, you're the one. You get to go. <laughs> and they launch him over. Yeah, they just throw him off the building. <laughs> and he does this fun little roll to standing. He sticks to the landing. He does. Opa <laughs> is what he says when he lands. So Jamie has another little moment where it sort of continues the theme of his existential crisis of if I can send these dupes out to do all these different things and have these different lives, why, what is the purpose of mine as Madrox Prime? Mm-hmm. So he himself is having a moment, which is partly why he goes off and sends a dupe. So Yeah, so the dupe climbs down and is like, Richter, what's going on? And... Richter's like, who sent you? Did Xavier? Did Frost? And I don't know when Emma goes from being a villain to being a hero, but I could see her sending someone out. Like, she, despite her, like, conniving ways or whatever, Mm -hmm. I feel like she cares. I think someone else might have said this first. Maybe Alicia from the Ex-Wife podcast. Like, she seems most concerned with the next generation of mutants. And taking care of them. Yes. Yeah. And Xavier, would he really send someone? Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It's like a 40% he would. Yeah. Or he'd be like Richter who? Oh, he might be like Richter who. Yes. Charles Xavier, not always the best. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, Richter on the ledge of this building has made the TV and that's how Maddox found out. Eventually that's how Rain finds him. Yeah. And he alludes to something like, I could do anything for life, but I won't do that. And we're going to learn what that is. What drove him to this when we return to this. Before we get there, though. We have the power plant bar and still not the WCW training facility. No. And we see Siren. Teresa's here. Yeah. I don't know if it was the effect of the lighting on the cover issue, but she looked blonde then and now she's a redhead. Yeah. So it must be something like in the low light. You can't really tell Mm -hmm. it going for that sort of effect. That would make sense with the film noir detective yeah motif yep and she is here with a woman named victoria there's an allusion to maybe some romantic interludes yeah i didn't all i really knew about siren was that she the the daughter of banshee she can do things with her voice and apparently one of the things that she can do is make people adore her so the mythological siren uh, abilities matches up with some of her current ones. Yeah, that well, current in here, yeah, as yes. of this issue, yes. Um, well, and they reference it in the later X Factor in mm. the modern run. Oh, um, with the Morgan situation, mm. where she sort of uses it on Polaris, but she. We find out when she's calm. She when she speaks to you, you, you just sort of. 
become all about her. Yeah, there's a lot revealed about Siren in just this issue. Yeah. Um, that wasn't previously known, so this is new information mm -hmm. for the character. And again, it's picking up a character that probably was super underutilized at this time in the X-Books. There's really nothing for Siren to do in the mid-2000s, which is why she's appearing here. Oh. So it gives a good opportunity for development of the character. Yeah. Victoria has asked for help from Siren. Yes, for some sort of witness protection situation. Yeah. Siren asked her to get some documents about some crime lord. And Victoria... I don't. It seemed like Siren didn't necessarily use her allure yeah. in her voice actively. She seems sort of surprised by the advances that Victoria is making on her romantically. When Victoria says, I did it because I love you, and sort of has this zeal. Like, even though her face is half in shadow, you sort of get this zealous adoration that mm -hmm. she has. I thought the art did a really good job of portraying that mm -hmm. in this panel. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> Siren is taken aback. She gently lifts Victoria's hand off of her own and tries to explain, like, I never promised that. I <laughs> started backpedaling a little. And Victoria's like, but you'll be with me, right? Hmm. And that's when we get sort of the explanation panels of her voice. Mm -hmm. um, but back to business, Siren looks at the papers that Victoria delivered and they're all blank. There's no... Nothing on them, nothing incriminating. Mm -hmm. um, just totally blank pages where they find out that she was betrayed. Yeah. There was a bait and switch situation with those papers. The shots ring out um, through the windows of the power plant. I'm wondering how much is destroyed in the power plant all the time. I mean, this is a bar in Mutant Town, and it, mutants are down on their luck right now, but we saw in the miniseries. That a mutant just ignited herself in the middle of this bar. Yeah, and we know from working in residence life at a college, fire extinguishers make a really big mess. They do. So is it, maybe it's just like constantly under construction. Yeah, there's always a fix happening at the power plant. It's like one of the downtown gay bars in Minneapolis. <laughs> and now they're going to need to replace a front window as Victoria is shot and uh, she kicks the bucket. And, si and Siren is upset. Yeah. He's a great big no. Um, but yeah. higher pitched because you get these little images of glass breaking. Yeah, so the power plant's going to need to replace their entire stock of alcohol. Because I mean, it's all housed in glass bottles. I mean, do you... Unless think... it's like rail vodka in the plastic. Well, that was, that's going to be my mm. question. Like, if you know some of the mutants who are coming around, do you start to change your inventory to safeguard? Oh, maybe everyone gets sippy cups. They're all plastic. Do you get, yeah, do you get plastic cups <laughs> and the really awful, like, jugs of real alcohol? Oof. That would be rough. Yeah, it would. That would not make the mutants in Mutant Town any happier. No. Speaking of it happy, we go back to Richter. Yes. And we find out about this decimation event that 90% of mutants are saps. Um, and it's a fun moment of Madwax being like, I don't know what the saps language is. 
And Richard's like, homo sapiens. And Maddox is like, I thought the popular slang was norms. (laughs) It's, he's like me, a little bit out of touch of, with pop culture. Mm. So. And uh, Richter is lamenting the loss of his powers. And we get to learn what the depth of those powers were. I love moments like this where not only do you get more information about someone's power set, but you also find out what it means to them. And in this case, Richter is, he says he was attuned to the planet. We were two, but one. And he could feel so much more than just the ground. He could feel things like the rain seeping into it. He could feel the life force within it. The subtle shifts in tectonic plates. Like, Mm -hmm. for one person to have that sort of connection to a whole planet, that's huge. Yeah. It's a really beautiful way that he describes it. And his connection to Earth and nature and what it meant in its totality. And it makes more sense when... Like, it sort of, I don't know, makes his character in the current Excalibur that much more awesome. Mm. Like, it explains a little bit more about how into magic he is and his druid connection. And, like, I feel like the seeds were planted here in 2006 for that to be referenced later. Yeah. And you can see what respect... I think that's Teeny Howard that writes that. Mm. Excalibur. And you can see how... Teeny really respects the source material and took the time to get to know the character she was writing before she put pen to paper. Yeah. So that all these things that were developed back here, 15 years prior to her writing, are incorporated and woven into current narrative and current character development. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, So he sort of describes this very profound relationship and sort of senses that he has with the planet. And then now it's all gone. Like someone threw a bag over his head, stuffed his ears and nose with cotton. And now he had gone from pitying normal people and even other mutants for not having that relationship. And now he's one of those people. Mm -hmm. Um yeah we get to see what's happening with guido yeah so what the overall narrative that we're looking at the big story is richter but we're getting to see the different members of x-factor investigations introduced or reintroduced right because you can't really count on people having read the miniseries when this comes out nine months later right and from the miniseries, it's only the author and the letterer letterer that are carryovers. Yes. So I'm sort of just now learning about the different roles in comic, like pencils versus colors versus inks versus letters. Mm-hmm. And I'm not normally one for credits. Normally, I only notice if Sally... Uh, Oh no, her last name that I can't think of right now. You're talking about a director. Yes. For TV shows. Also actress in Eureka, who did Wheel of Time stuff, and she also did um, stuff for the Gilded Age. Yes. Richardson Whitfield. Okay. Or maybe it's vice versa. Anyway, so I don't keep track of that sort of stuff. 
um, as well as other folks in the X community do. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you at least you have the writer from the miniseries of Mandrox coming back through, and then you get the new art, you get new colors and things. Yes, and this is Peter David's second run on X Factor. Yes, who had written the first go. Yeah, the government team. Yes. So um, he was already well known as someone who did a good job with X Factor as a title. And this is a a different spin on it. So um, his runs are pretty legendary when it comes to this title. Peter David is the X Factor guru, I'd say, at this point. Nice. Even coming into this. So we have Strong Guy stopping someone in a car. And he's like, you're not getting away that easy. And he grabs the bumper, but the bumper just rips off the car as this person escapes. Um, Not entirely clear who it is that he's trying to stop. But then when Teresa comes out, we find out that he was trying to stop someone who was shooting into the bar. And he was supposed to be there too for backup. But he showed up at the appointed time and didn't really plan on people being early. Yeah. So, like, I can relate to that. And Siren is like, wait, that's, you know, the person responsible. I'm going after them. And she flies off. And sort of says some disparaging things to Strong Guy. Yeah. That it's all his fault. She calls him... A lummox. Yes. When I looked too fast at the words, it looked like dum-dum, but that's someone else. And Siren's flying off. We go back to the rooftop situation with Richter and the Madroxes, the multiple men, all the dupes, and Jamie Prime. And Jamie Prime is radioing over to the dupe that is with Richter. And is trying to give advice and um the dupe is like you could be over here too you could be doing this i'm doing it leave it to me so uh, the dupe is getting into the explanation of uh, yeah x factor is back and i'm the boss (laughs) richter's a little astounded and jamie explains yeah it started with myself, Strong Guy Wolfsbane, and Richter's really confused, like, why is Wolfsbane with you? Why is Rain kicking it around? And Jamie's like, well, she's part-time. Yeah. And he gets to fill in some of the gaps between the miniseries and now, and adds in that he got a million bucks and bought the building, and now they have a nice fancy sign. And and how he got a million dollars... He won it on a game show. He won it on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. (laughs) Yeah, he did. By phoning a friend for the half million dollar question, which he phoned himself and a room full of dupes. And I thought thought search engines existed at this point, but you see this image of all these dupes, like some of them are on computers, some of them are looking through books. Strong Guy's like, isn't this cheating? And... Rain is like, well, technically he only called one person, dot, 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 himself. Yeah. And I this sort of goes to prove why Who Wants to Be a Millionaire wouldn't work with modifications in the modern world. 
And I think it ended a few years ago because it was Meredith Vieira it was. hosting the daytime version. Yes. Yeah, or I don't know, do, if you are a contestant, do your phone friends have to go with you and sit in a booth? Exactly, with no technology. Yeah. 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 So. And as the audience was never reliable. Mm-hmm. So Mad Dogs goes on, gives a little more exposition for what's going on. His general, like, sending dupes out. Um, to get the knowledge. So he knew the million dollar question because he had sent dupes out to gain knowledge and reabsorb them. Yeah. So he's still doing that, that, yep. that we had seen from the miniseries. We get the nice sign above the door. Um, and he sort of explains that because of this decimation event from M-Day that their phones are ringing off the hook, that everyone's trying to figure out what happened, who caused it, where did their powers go. Um, so, yeah. Their X-Factor is on it. Yeah, and he goes on to explain Siren is on the team too, and the new powers that she has, the new power set she discovered that works on um, humans... That whatever she says, it makes people adore her. And, um... So as these sort of voiceover thought bubbles are there, we flash back to her pursuing this car that Strong Guy couldn't stop. And uses her voice power to slam into it, to stop it. Like, who knows where this tire has gone, but it is no longer on the car. Yeah. And she confronts the driver who has a gun, and she's like yeah she's like oh you have a gun try it like just try to shoot me let's see what happens and And instead the woman she is pursuing on foot because she jumped out of the car and ran shoots herself instead and this takes siren totally by surprise yeah she was not ready for it which sort of jives with what happened to Rain and also Jamie a little bit in the miniseries mm-hmm. where they each killed someone sort of or someone died in front of them yeah um in a way that they weren't expecting to have happen so so Siren's going to be pretty traumatized it seems like as a result of this we just see the bang and then we go back to the rooftop right since Jamie had been narrating yep during those panels and then he reveals that we have Monet St. Croix. Who is described as Supergirl meets Veronica Lodge by Richter. Yes. Which carries with it some very snotty connotations of like hoity-toity. Mm-hmm. Looking down her nose at everyone. Yeah. And we don't see Monet aside from this reference in this issue. Which I think is good because it... You can't introduce everyone all at once yeah. in, and do it well. Yep. Someone who's back, though, is Rain. She's with her Irish brogue through a bullhorn shouting up from the street like, you idiot. Isn't she Scottish? Oh, yeah. Oh, Scottish brogue. Scottish brogue. Scottish brogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Teresa Banshee. Irish. Irish, yes. yes. So, I... Rain must have some sort of somewhat close relationship with Richter because she is just going off on him of like, how dare you try to do this? You flaming idiot. Yes. Like the way that they write the Scottish brogue in is interesting. Yeah. And which is like, oh, uh, 
high reign. <laughs> and she, you can see the core of her religious beliefs, that her line of reasoning is very much based in the Catholic faith, that you are going to go to hell. I mean, yes, and it seems like she really does care for Richter. Yes, like she's, she is uh, trying to argue with him based off of her own knowledge and passion about like, this is the wrong move. You are not doing this. And passion for him. Like, she doesn't want to see harm come to him. And the way that that manifests is through this religious angle. Mm -hmm. Um, I just love the, don't you be high reigning me. (laughs) Um, And like, she just goes off like eternal punishment. You're burning in the lake forever and ever. They're going to strip your skin off. It's going to grow back. They're going to rip it off again. Yeah. With the demons there, and Richard's like, well, in this other culture, suicide is historically regarded as an honorable means of, and she just cuts him off. I'm like, does this look like Japan? <laughs> like, going off on him of like, don't even try to give me any excuses. And Richard's looking real uncomfortable in these panels. Like, he was not expecting to be browbeat by his friend Rain. Yeah. And then she starts going off about ice. Well, we flash back to Siren, back at the X-Factor headquarters. Yeah, and we learn that she is a recovering alcoholic. And Layla Miller, who you've asked me who Layla Miller is, and my only explanation is she knows things. Um, And here she is knowing things. (laughs) Yes, uh, that's where that comes from. So you're going to get to know a whole bunch more about Layla Miller. All of your questions will be answered in the course of this series. Because it's also unclear how old she is, because she also looks super young. Mm-hmm. Um, but... And this is where Siren and Strong Guy sort of bond. They make up. They Because they both have guilt over what happened, and they're like, it's my fault. No, I thought it was my fault that this happened. And she does apologize for calling him a lummox, and one of those things, like, in the moment... Emotions are running high, and now that things have calmed down, like, she knows who her friends are. Yeah. And we learn that the person who killed herself was an operative for Singularity Investigations. Which is less investigatory and more security outfit for the rich and famous. Yes. So that sort of sets up probably who we're looking at being our nemesis. The big bad of season one. Yes, um Layla just joins. She's, She's like, You don't have an option, I'm joining your team. Hello. <laughs> and meanwhile we go back to Richter and you can still see hear Rain talking about all the demonic and hellish punishments that were. <laughs> She's him. going off. She's popping off down there. She's like going through a whole litany of what would happen. Yes. And um you get the sense that she was doing this all while there was the cutaway to <laughs> Siren and Strong Guy and Layla Miller. Yeah. And now that we get back to it, she's finally winding down, getting towards the end. Yeah. And Richard's like, all right, all right. Like, I won't jump. I'll come down. Um, Richter's like, are you Madrox or are you a dupe? And um, the dupe is like, eh, I the latter and jamie thought he needed someone who is super optimistic over here to talk you out of jumping and he's like you understand and richter's like "Mm, not not really 
And this is where a twist comes. Yeah, because apparently Madrox Prime was thinking about the X Factor, the fly in the ointment, the spanner in the works. And um, this dupe is saying, well, I'm not really that optimistic. I just made him think that because I'm the super unpredictable. I am the X Factor distilled into a dupe. Mm -hmm. And he shoves Richter off the side of the building. Yeah. And that's how the issue ends is Richter plummeting. An image of him just going down. Yeah. And it's a cliffhanger. It is. So, um, so that's issue number one. What a strong start. Yeah. Did you like it? I did. I thought that the introduction of Siren was good because we did not know anything about her in the miniseries and we got to see some of her action sequences. We got to see some of her power set stuff and its effects on people and how the effects on those people affect her in turn. Mm Mm-hmm. So I thought there was some good development there for her and build up a little bit of relationship. Um, it was nice to see Rain's relationship to Richter mm-hmm. and also Richter's profound relationship with his powers or to the earth through his powers. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was really great to read. Who was your favorite character from this issue? Who really stuck out to you and... that's a good question probably siren i feel like she got a lot of the spotlight Mm -hmm. because rain i enjoyed but a lot of that was carryover from the miniseries so now i know sort of like how she fits in Mm -hmm. and like her going off on richter was fun but it wasn't necessarily a lot Mm -hmm. siren got a lot of panels and Madrox, we, he did the narration over, mm-hmm. but he didn't seem that different from the miniseries. Okay. Still dealing with some of that existential dread. Yeah. And that his dupes are popping out based on what he's thinking of at the time. Yeah. And so it all, in terms of new and excitement stuff, that's why Siren, I think, gets it. Okay. I really liked Richter and... Seeing oh. what he's going through and sort of what his power set was. And it makes me want to read his past appearances. And yes, absolutely. Like the 90s stuff and see what his character was up to when he was a new character. If it wasn't Siren, it was going to be him. Yeah. Um, both of them had really good developmental moments. And it, like you said, it ends on a cliffhanger. We don't know how it ends. And the preview for the cover of x-factor number two doesn't really tip their hand we don't know what to expect yeah there is no image of you know richter being alive or being dead there's no reference to it you have no clue what's going on with these covers no it's just a beautiful blonde woman laying on the floor as if she had been murdered Uh, yeah there might be a pool of blood below her so um and it's still part of decimation yep so it the series is starting off tied into a larger event and uh, we're going to discuss that overall event a few issues down the line to get some perspective once we've read through these issues um having someone pop on and give us their take on what decimation slash house of m 
was. So when you, you do those uh, strengths finders things, contact is one of mine, which sort of also leads into how reading comics becomes so overwhelming because I want all the beginning context mm -hmm. and there's not a great point where you would start. Like you can hop in here, you can hop in there, yeah, wherever. And that sort of why I never got into comics because it was just so overwhelming because I didn't have that context for what was happening and who the people were. Yeah. So I'm excited to find out more about Decimation and the greater X storyline. Yeah. Uh, context is my number one strength as well. The last time I took StrengthsFinder. Oh. And uh, same thing. I think what really helped me was understanding you don't need to know everything. You can go in and enjoy a title as it's written. And if there are things that I don't know about, I just sort of ignore them. Like, oh. if there's a reference to something larger, the first time I read this series and started going through it a couple years ago, there's that reference to Emma Frost. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't read a whole lot of Emma Frost at that point, so I just tossed it away. was like, okay, it it is not essential to the storyline that I need to know why or why not Emma would have sent someone to help Richter. Uh, Otherwise, they would have explained it. So... Or do they just assume that you would know because no. you have been reading every comic ever? No. Uh, there's a certain element of that. I think it's more a bonus when you read comics and you're like, I get that reference. That's oh, okay. really cool. That's how I take it rather than stressing about, I have no clue what's going on here. Because there's going to be so much that you don't know. There is not a person out there who knows everything about every single character without having to research it or refresh their memory. Mm. They may have read it years ago and then it's gone. Yeah. So, yeah, that was issue one. And it, does this make you excited to read the next issue just like the miniseries did? Yes. Because I feel like I'm more invested in Richter. Mm. So. Fair. All right. So um, I think that's about it. Everyone, make sure you follow us over on Instagram at X Factor Files Podcast. Join the conversation. Let us know what you think about this first issue of an ongoing series. Yes. And, and who was your favorite reading yeah. this? Um, starting off the series, maybe if it's been a while since you read it, who were you really excited to catch up with when you started reading this? Yeah, what a moment should we, we be looking out for coming up at the beginning of this X-Factor run? Yeah, what really stuck out to you? And um, yeah, I think that's about it. So until next time, thanks for joining us. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Take care. Bye. Bye.